1: Mike Mulligan. Bears, Bears, Bears,
0: Bears. Football, football, football. You know what? I'd like to say you're wrong, Molly, but you're not wrong very often.
2: David Haw. That was one of the best questions you've ever asked. Yeah, I'm sure it's going to get an answer just as good. Chicago Sports Talk for your morning
1: on 670 The Score, the home for Bears
2: fans. Here's what I want college football to do. Here's what I want all of football to do. Uh oh. <laughs> I'm sorry. This thing at the end of the game, where now people are doing these l- multiple lateral plays, yeah. limit the number of laterals you can have in one, any one snap, make it two. That's it. Well, why? Exactly. It's a farce. It's I know, but it also it's... increases the, the injury possibility. Oh, injuries. It also it just creates this this nonsensical ending to every game. <laughs> multiple laterals. I what hate if team watching scores it. And it works. How often does it work, Dustin? Come
0: on. Remember the Stanford band play. The ball is still loose as they get it to Rogers. They give it back now to the 30. They're down to the 20. All the band is out on the field. He's going to go into
2: the end zone. He's going to go to the Bears. The Bears have won. The Bears have won. How many years ago Um, was that? That's a a once-in-a-generation type of play. In two laterals, no more than that. And then after that, forget it. Start your mornings with Mully and Haw, 5.30 30 till 10 a.m. Do you not like the Hail
1: Mary? Come on. I no. love the Hail
2: Mary. That's a football play. Do you
1: like the Statue of Liberty play?
2: I love that even better. On 670, the score. It's
1: a very particular stance you have
2: here. It is. <laughs>
1: and I like it. Let's go. Mully and Haw, Chicago Sports Radio, 670, the score. David hates rugby. That's what we learned
2: yesterday. Oh boy. Good morning, Molly. Happy Thursday. Yes, I have my very specific football thoughts. I, that's a stance I'm not coming off of. When it's you a use some stance, that was 1982. That Dustin wanted to introduce as evidence uh, to, to counter my argument, but um, well, it's fun. To, uh, oh, it's fun. It was hysterical. That but you don't like it. It's I stand by my. I, of course my, you do. I, I don't like the the. Last second desperation I just, lateral play. I just don't think
1: you need to limit laterals to two. I just don't because there are some trick plays you could use that might include a third lateral. I don't know. I've we, never seen it. We may see them Sunday. Let's work <laughs> on it. Well, you know what? It is fake season. You would hope that anything you worked on, you're going to pull out of the bag and you're going to here. let's try this one. You don't need to be saving stuff. Come up with new ideas in the offseason because guess what? They're going to have a
2: really hard time scoring points. Well, after hearing Matt Eberflus yesterday uh, talk about sitting Justin Fields on Sunday, I will agree with you on one thing. It is fake season.
1: Oh, my God. Let me tell you something. I mean, I've heard a lot of absurd <laughs> ideas in my life. Oh, man. But, but with the response, the sincere response to whether he would play if it was a playoff game. Of course he'd play. Are you kidding Are me? Are you
2: kidding me? Are and if he kidding? didn't, then everybody needs to go. Yes. Come on now. You know, that was absurd because the Bears in the playoffs? <laughs> you
1: know, listen, I, I, I mean, the idea that uh, is there a draft pick involved in football? That whole thing was absurd enough. But when you answer the question of, well, if it was a playoff game, I, and instead of saying, you know, well, we don't deal with that. or." Listen to this.
0: If, if this were like a playoff game, would, would, would Justin's status be the same?
2: Yeah, it would be. Yes, it would be the same. You know, like I said, it's not long term, but he's just not able to go full speed. You know, I asked him how it was today. He said it's still real sore. So come on. Come on. You,
1: sun- you can't be sore in a playoff game. <laughs> when you're a team, that the whole
2: offense runs through you. On Sunday, Justin Fields was playing. On Monday, it depended on his health. On Wednesday, he had a hip strain based on the MRI, and he was not going to finish the season in the lineup. He was going to sit this one out. In the NFL, the truth is negotiable.
1: Yeah, it, I mean, and it, it's just silly. It's a silly, it, it, it's a, you know, it's a silly idea that he wouldn't play. He'd have to play. If you were in a playoff game, after all that, you, you there's not a chance he wouldn't play.
2: Yeah, it's a hypothetical that's fun to consider because of how un, unlikely it is to to talk about a Bears preparing for a playoff game at Boy. this stage of their rebuild. But I think when Still you look at when you look at the reality of Sunday, everybody understands what's going on here, even if the words kind of betray what is really going on here. I get it; don't have to like it, but I understand it. We all do. I do think that this just prevents him from finishing on on a positive. It it gives it deprives him of another opportunity to improve. The risk to them is not worth that reward. Okay, that's their decision. It's an organizational one. Don't you think the coaches would have wanted him to play? But somebody intervened at some point.
1: Yeah, I I listen. I wonder who that could be. Uh, Dustin was we were walking out yesterday. Dustin's like, "Well, I, I you know." I hope they don't start him, get the record, and then sit him down. And I was like, well, isn't that better than the alternative of not seeing him at all? I, I mean, I had no problem with the idea of starting him, getting the record, and sitting him down. No. Who cares? I, but if I, I he, don't either.
2: That's football. But,
1: but I did not like the idea of him playing uh, the entire game, especially when he was sacked seven times last well, week. And I felt, were, I, I felt there were a lot of ways they could have done it. It's interesting to me that they chose the hip injury. Listen, the guy's got a separated shoulder. The shoulder's barking. But that sounds like they played him with a bad injury. Uh, you, you, the guy was in, you know, looked at for a concussion. Oh, yeah, you know, his bell was rung. But now you got a concussion on his record. You might worry about that. His hips are is sore. I came in with sore hip. and They, they <laughs> looked at it, and they found a strain on the MRI. I, his whole body should be strained. He's been hit, he's been sacked fifty five times.
2: Yeah, after sixteen games, everybody's body's a little strained. And yesterday, well, a couple people. Well, fifteen for him. Fifteen for him. But because at this of stage the of the season, people on that roster, given what the Bears have been through, they're all a little banged up. And I, I, you know, on social media yesterday, some people coming at you, and 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 it's such as like, well, of course, didn't you see him stretching his hip on the sidelines? Didn't you? He does that every, every week, game and that. one week it's his hamstring. The next week it's his calf. It's a it's a cramp. It's a strain. It's a pull. Okay, he's beaten up. He's banged up. Okay, we understand. I, I am with you to a point. I get the record play, but Mully. At this, by the same token, you don't know what's going to happen. So if they were in a situation where he was playing and he was getting sacked at the rate that he was getting right. sacked against the Lions, you take him out. But David, I'm glad
1: he's not playing. Well, okay. Honestly. I, I'm not glad you he's know not why? playing. And I'll tell you why I'm glad. Because the draft pick is more important right now than anything else. That's just the reality of what they've done with their football season. And Houston should be able to beat Indy. Okay? You could get the number one overall pick. You wouldn't put that at risk. I I would imagine that Ryan Poles is the is
2: the guy that took the MRI. I'm sure he probably did. If Dr. Poles talked to... Dr. Cunningham, and, and they concluded that the diagnosis was, that looks like a hip strain to me. What do you think? And, oh, yeah, we have two. That's a, that's a consensus. Let's, uh, let's sit them out. But I, I, do, I understand what you're saying because the draft conversation and the importance of that pick, at the same time, if you were going into this season and one of your primary goals and purposes was for Justin Fields to remove doubt about him in every way as a quarterback, as an NFL passer, He's not done that, and I think he had one more opportunity to do that, and now he doesn't. So yeah. I'm a little disappointed. I understand it. I, I don't have to like it, but I do get it.
1: Yeah, I, I I mean, I I don't like it, but I felt before last week's game that that we had reached draft pick season. Really, when a team is eliminated, that that, okay, there's really not a lot to learn. I didn't understand why he remained in the game last week. I don't think he learned anything. Other than the fact that his offensive line couldn't protect him, and I think he might have known that already, and everybody um, knew that. And let me tell you something: I got, you know, I would put the house on the Minnesota Vikings. I don't think there's any way the Bears didn't compete last week, and now they got a quarterback. When's the last time this guy played?
2: And how, it was against the Bears? I believe he started a game against yeah, the Bears, and he lost it.
1: Well, I'm just saying, I'm not picking on him, but this is your third quarterback that you're rolling out against the team that's trying to win to clinch the second uh, um, spot in, in the NFC, and, you know, fair whack. To well,
2: them. Bears fans who wanted to go out Sunday to Soldier Field to see a NFL history-making quarterback are going to see an NFL history-making quarterback because Nathan Peterman <laughs> has, is the only guy to throw five interceptions in his first NFL start, so there you go. I I, I don't think it's going to be worth your uh, whatever you paid to sit in the United Club, but there you go. There is your history maker. Look back back to the thing about you know keeping him from harm's way. I I I understand that seven sacks against the Lions scared the Bears into this decision. Yes, but what if he was going the other way? What if he was on a two hundred and fifty yard. Uh, passing day and and three touchdowns well, and finishing with that, momentum.
1: That would be different. Ha,
2: but now you I can't don't know. have any different. Yeah, now but
1: you- how are you gonna get momentum based on like I believe the two tackles or excuse me, the two guards that left the game were put on injured reserve. Yeah. So not only are they out, but they've got injuries that are gonna demand their time and and all the rest of it.
2: I just don't. I just don't know. Ultimately, it's not a big deal. No, it's, it's not. It's not a big deal at all because no. of what this season has represented. And uh, this will be their 14th loss, and they will set a record yeah. for futility on Sunday in front of their home fans. I,
1: I have zero confidence. I, it's not even, I don't even think the Bears have a puncher's chance if they catch him with this and they surprise him with that and they fake this. And, and I'll go this far, David. I'm straining to come up with a reason other than I've got to do a postgame show. To actually sit through that game because last week was awful. It was just hard to mm-hmm. watch, and I, I, after everything that's going on, I'm just struggling to find a reason to care. And and I, if I were the NFL, I'd be a little bit kind of okay. This you just handed a victory but to Minnesota. This goes on every that year, game. Though. Was a pick'em. I know, but I believe it is it now eight points, seven and seven a half and points. Dogs, yep. So so it went from a pickum in the in the look ahead to what was it three points two and a half something like that and now it 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 is over a touchdown
0: mm-hmm. come
1: on now come on no one has any faith in this they they will get they, this is the obligatory playing out of the schedule Oh
2: yeah, no doubt about it. But what do they do about it? What, what can Nothing the NFL they do about no,
1: it? No, I'm just saying. If if I were battling away trying to get the number two seed, and I saw this, I'd
2: be like, oh god. I nobody and, and take care of your likes own it except for and the and people win. who are arguing no. that it improves their draft position and cements them as the you know no lower than number two. I, 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 I but they are number two. <laughs> I, I'm, right I'm, I'm 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 with you though because but you're you're saying that. You understand it, you like it, but it's bad. I, oh, I, I, I don't know what I'm saying. I'm just saying I don't want to have to watch it. I <laughs> yeah, think is what I'm it, saying. It's not going to be. There's
1: it, nothing to real. I don't think there's anything I'm going to learn or a. Pre- it, when your quarterback is out, and you're on a backup, well, can here's that what guy I think play? too you're is on that third quarterback,
2: Matt, Matt Eberflus, all season long has has done a very nice job. I think week in and week out throughout this losing streak throughout this adversity throughout this slog of a season that it's become of really maintaining a pretty even keel. And I think he's built up credibility over time that he he's, he's credible. He's trustworthy. He's, and I think
1: he squandered that when he said that the guy wouldn't play if
2: it was a playoff game. <laughs> I'm kidding. Well, I, I think that this, this is a hard thing to, to take yeah. from a guy who has built up some credibility. I, I don't know that this helps that is, is what I'm saying. Because I am disappointed that Justin Fields is not going to play on Sunday. I may be in the minority. Yeah. I understand why, but I don't have to like it. I, I have strained
1: a hip listening to this stuff. How's that? Okay. I feel like it's a real strain to just put up with this. I, I, look, he's not playing. We all know why he's not playing. I, I'm not saying his hip isn't hurt. As I mentioned earlier, choose an injury this was the this was the one that had the least sort of uh, future repercussion so the hip seems like a convenient injury to have does that make any sense?
2: It all makes sense because they're just they're, they're talking about a quarterback who is on the verge was on the verge of setting a record for for rushing yards so he's going to be beaten up and they can look at his his numbers as His evidence is, you know, he's got to have things wrong with him. So let's pick one. Um, But I, I, he's not a proven. uh, He hasn't removed out as a passer, and I think you. Any time that you have an opportunity to improve, and you're deprived of that chance, that it's, it's a missed opportunity.
1: I I would be fairly convinced that he's not pleased. I, we hear from. We didn't hear from him, right? I don't know that we're going to hear from him now. Right? When is he, is, does he have an exit interview with the media? I, I, that might be it. I would think Rose that told he would. Us that was the last time we were going to hear from I him.
2: think that we should hear from Justin Fields after the season that he's had. I agree. At but some point in time. I, I can't imagine that he would have welcomed this news. And I, I do wonder if they'll wait until after the season to have him discuss it because then they can coach him, then it will be a less of a deal and nobody's going to be out there playing gotcha. Which you know is going to happen the minute he gets behind a microphone and like, what no did you see? What's wrong with you? And yeah. could you have played if this were the hypothetical Pie yeah, um, the Sky playoff. playoff game? Exactly. Playoffs. <laughs> Get a little Jim Mora there, but yeah, it, it's 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 uh, one of those things that is. Did, did it, you did you like? I, let me put it this way, David.
1: When you heard the news, were you did your brow furrow and did you worry about the future of? Justin Fields, or did you kind of chuckle? Yeah, okay, he wouldn't have played in the playoffs.
2: I I don't think I I I chuckled. I just I I probably you know grimaced or smirked because it's just a predictable, um, right, misleading half truth. Uh, (laughs) He's he's no doubt injured, no question. Obviously banged up, but I I just don't know that it would be bad enough to keep him whether it's a playoff game or a game to get into the playoffs, if it, were, if it were a game that mattered, Justin Fields would be playing Sunday. I truly believe that.
1: Wow, I, I, There's no way you would go into a playoff game without your best player. I mean, honestly, it, 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 I'm not trying to be mean about it or cruel but about it. But he has it. to
2: say that. What else would he have said?
1: No, of course he said it. Yeah. But it was – I mean, and you're right. He's worked very hard – to get the hits principle going to get people. It just is fading away at the end of the year. Uh, You know, the Buffalo loss, inevitable. The loss last week, rough. And now I've got very little faith in them. They've, You know, again, Minnesota has something to play for, and Minnesota is trying to get different records going too. So I would imagine that the Bears aren't putting up a ton of resistance, and that's a sad reality, but that's where they're at in their season
2: yeah they're done. It's time to move on. The they're season done. can't end soon enough, and Sunday you know hurry up and get here so we can look ahead, as everybody seems to have already done and and now the bears are just joining joining the crowd
1: yeah, yeah, there's no question about it. um
2: the bulls won. Did you like seeing the bulls win? How about the
1: bulls? The bulls are so they're just so kind of frustrating like they they win games where you're like wow, they're you know look how look at the bulls. And then they lose games where you're like, oh, wow, look at the balls. It, it is amazing to me that the bizarre kind, like last year consistently, you felt like you were getting their best effort and they just couldn't beat the good teams. And now you feel like, yeah, you're not really getting enough out of them. But they can beat some good teams. They've done well against some good teams.
2: Well, they're 6-1 and one against the top three seeds in the East.
1: Explain that.
2: And they still have a losing record. That doesn't. That doesn't make sense, and it's illogical from a basketball perspective. What's happened to them is they have become this inconsistent collection of guys who one day will play like a team that's good enough to beat anyone in the Eastern Conference, and then don't get too excited about what you saw last night. It was great to end the Nets' 12-game losing streak. The Bulls are just as capable of coming out the next time and losing by 15 or blowing a 15-point lead. I don't understand that because I think Billy Donovan, you you, you know what we think about Billy Donovan here. Right, but they have the the traits of a team that's very difficult to coach and hard to predict from a night to night basis, game to game, week to week, and I. So last night was fun. So I guess you just enjoy that for what it is. And they held Kevin Durant under 50, so that's a good night.
0: <laughs> well, how about that? They're, they're, they yeah. they they went into in the post game. Patrick Williams, who had an I – mean, I have to give him credit. He had, had a nice, good game. He had a nice offensive game. But after a bad game. After yeah. a terrible, horrific, no. like, Mistake box out the, yes. somebody. Don't overstate it. Why not? He missed a, he missed a box out. That the guy just, had a
2: lane violation too. That wasn't just – I'm sorry, we digress. Out. Patrick Williams last night, post game, they went to him for, and, and he's
0: talking about the fact that they, what the, the defense <laughs> they played on a guy who had 44 points. I mean, <laughs> he's trying to like toot the horn of himself and his teammates. Who you know, boy, if we hadn't tried as hard as we did, we might have given up 70 again to a guy. I, I, mean, <laughs> I mean, how can you celebrate the fact that you played defense against a guy who scored 44? And what stood stood out for me from the broadcast? They went out of their way on the TV broadcast. I apologize to Chuck and Bill, but I was watching the game on television. Oh my. Always a pleasure. And uh, he said he's a generation it's an honor to guard a generational player. Like he was already like in awe. It was like going back to the Super Bowl when the Rams played the Dustin, Kevin Durant is
2: the best scorer alive.
0: He's, he was
1: 15 for 22.
2: It, this is a when guy that is hot,
0: he, unstoppable. I don't, don't want to hear the guy guarding him before the game starts saying that it's an honor to defend a generational player. I don't want to hear that.
2: I have no problem with him showing that kind of respect. Kevin Durant has earned
0: it. Uh, you know what? what? Is, is he aware of where the three-point line is still? Is he still trying to figure <laughs> that
1: out? <laughs> it's fine to say it after you beat him. Okay. He said I got, it
0: before I know, the game started. I know, That's the but, point. But the point that's why is, is that I, that's he was why already I,
1: I said it's it's fine to do it. So after. had they
0: lost, we could make a bigger deal about that comment. Yeah, and All we right. could go I back. Had, I wish they had lost. We them. could
1: go back and talk about the failed box out.
2: I don't think there's any connection between the type of respect that Patrick Williams would pay Kevin Durant pregame in an in an interview, or just internally, and his ability to stop the greatest scorer alive.
0: Can you take a bow, though, if the Bulls' defense? Can you take a bow because you held them to 44? Is I don't know next, if you take a bow, but see you certainly – what with Donovan
2: Mitchell? Yeah, take a bow. You, you exhale. And Did
0: you, you see last night, speaking of the Cavs, they scored 90 points last night. Yeah. <laughs> they went from a player – they went from a player scoring 71 to scoring 90 as a team, and they still won the game. We'll, we'll get into all this stuff,
2: but Io had a good game,
1: too, and, and he's capable of having – That was the highlight
2: of the night. Yeah. I.O. blocking Kevin yes, Durant, you know? the layup yeah. pinning it from behind, right. the hustle play, and I.O. is going to give you those kinds of highlights, and he does a little bit of everything. But they had six guys in double figures. They scored 40 points in the first quarter. So then you're like, where was that?
0: Yeah, and exactly. Where was that? Yeah.
2: yeah. Where will that be next game when they score 19?
0: Well, they're playing that boogeyman team, right, the 76ers. They haven't beaten they, them When's in the last time ever. they beat them? Yeah.
1: Yeah, that that's because they got a guy who's tall. So you got to beware the tall guy. Well,
2: Patrick Williams will be honored to try to stop MB. You, <laughs> he'll you be,
1: be honored beat, to be jumped to over. Button.
0: Your button's on all the time. Mine's not. I had to turn it on to lean into that one. Very well done. Yes. Very well. Oh uh, boy! All
1: right, we've got uh, we got all the stories of the day, and we're going to pick them apart, and we're going to talk about all the interesting elements of uh, of the Bears finale.
2: We'll give you a list of, of things.
1: <laughs> Potential fakes. Uh, what, what are you looking for?
2: How are you going to have three hours of pregame
1: coverage? Oh, that'll be easy. Because the pregame and the postgame will be about the future, not Good. necessarily that game. That's you know, easy. We had a lot of fun on the pregame last week talking about the whole Kevin Warren thing and all that, yeah. and what it meant. And it was really, I, I really enjoyed it. And we always find a way to get through it. But it's a in terms of the actual game, well, like we, I doubt we'll spend more than the appropriate amount yeah, of time yeah, on it. And we that.
2: have discovered that this season has been more about the big picture than right. the small screen. Right. Yeah. That's exactly right. You have to zoom back. There so you take go. a step back.
1: All right. We got the pick six next Bully and Haw Chicago Sports Radio six seven the score. Playoffs. <laughs> It's Pick 6 with Mully and Haw, where we debate the top six sports stories of the day and
0: then open it up to you, the Chicago sports fan. Call us at 312-644-6767, or you can tweet your thoughts at Mully Haw.
1: Pick 6 with Mully and Haw starts now.
0: Are you surprised that Justin Fields will sit out Sunday's season finale due to a strained hip with a shot at the number one overall pick still in play for the Bears? Are you buying the decision Is strictly injury related? Is the diagnosis too convenient in your opinion? What do you make of the pick 'em early line, now a Vikings minus seven and a half to eight, depending on where you play, with Fields now out?
1: Well, there's a lot there. Um, I can't say I'm surprised that Justin Fields didn't didn't uh isn't going to play it was hinted at i there was an unequivocal he's playing on sunday and then on monday it was uh, well you know we'll have to see how he feels and uh and apparently uh they decided that uh yeah um you know the diagnosis too convenient in my opinion i think that there there are several different reasons that you could choose not to play Uh, Justin Fields, and I think this is the least offensive one. This is the one with the least amount of concern, the idea that he's, well, he's actually game to game, but this is the last game. That's effectively what they're telling (laughs) you. So (laughs) so I I do find that fairly convenient. And um, I think uh, the Vikings, two things have happened. The Vikings have stated their preference to win because they want to get in that number two seed, and they uh, are starting all their players. And then the Bears are without their best player, so I think both those things clearly make them um, more than a touchdown favorite.
0: You know, we do radio here, and when you when you talk on an open mic, you say a lot of things. You guys say more words than I do, and Ibrflus has to talk quite a bit for for I had you know he didn't sign up to talk; he signed up to coach football. But just what struck me in the transcription was due to Justin Fields coming in on Monday complaining. Complaining that like jumped off the page, you sore know, hip. So Justin Fields was compl- if Justin Fields hadn't complained, so oh, now yeah. like we would have we, we would have played yeah. him. You know, it's Justin Fields is the one that's not wanting to play. It's not us, <laughs> even though like you said, Mully, very funnily that the general manager was the one running the MRI machine and seeing the little blip on the on the on the on the on the. There's vision. something right there. there. There's something there. Right. There. No. No. See right there. Do it again. Zoom in. Thank right you, right Doctor right Poles. There. So, listen, it's fine. I would have been more upset, though. Something you guys said in the first segment I wanted to jump in on is the idea of Fields playing, getting the record, and then coming off. That's selfish. That would have been selfish. If you're in, you're in. And if you're out, you're out. Play the game or don't play the game. You know, And all this other stuff, like from the Godfather, You know, don't insult my intelligence
2: Right. that he I, wouldn't
0: play in a playoff game if it was I, this I think that's
2: ridiculous. And that's a really interesting point about the record. But I think what we have seen – or what we saw yesterday, was that in week 18 of the NFL season, Matt Eberflus introduced the quits principle. Because Justin (laughs) Fields not playing, I think, is only indirectly related to his physical status. Everybody's banged up. We can't disprove this. We don't know if they're fibbing. We'll never know. And frankly, probably doesn't matter. But what surprised me and why I was a little disappointed was, Matt Eberflus sounded pretty sure of himself Sunday after the game. Oh, yeah, that he was going to play, and then Monday it was less so because maybe Justin Fields came in complaining. I think or, that was the bad choice. Or the of, general manager or, complained. Or the general manager complained that you were too adamant that he was going to play. What are you thinking, Coach? We're the general. We're, we're in the front office, worried about the future. Forget about the present. I think somebody got to him. Clearly, the truth, as we said in the NFL, is negotiable. NFL teams lie all the time.
1: And and I got to tell you, when you mentioned the quits principle, maybe it's just there's a Q and a and a U in equanimius. But I thought that's what you were referring to signing a guy to a uh, one-year no. contract extension no. when he's effectively that's minutiae. Is oh okay? That, I thought I, it was part of the quits principle.
2: No, I, I don't think so. I you, it's a it's a cute Q. Q. In you know they both have that letter in common, but okay. no, okay. that to me is is minutia. What the Bears decided to do with Justin Fields is understandable and I guess defensible when you're looking at the draft realities, but it's also to me disappointing. Did I answer
0: your question, that's Devin Hester, and congratulations yeah. to Devin, a finalist for the Pro Football Hall of Fame for the second straight year. Is this the year Devin Hester finally goes in, or is the line too long? I mean, he's only
1: been up twice, right? This is, I mean, it's not a finally, but I think this is the year
0: he does get in. Um, Yeah, why not? (laughs) Well, I'm always a believer in either, I I do believe there is a big difference between a first ballot Hall of Famer and then a Hall of Famer. But I think if you're getting beyond the, the, the first two chances that you have to get in, then you're really not a Hall of Famer because Hall of Famers, when you say their name, when you say their name, you should instantly be able. Assuming you saw them play, you were part of the of either the, the fan base or the media during that that player's time on the field. You should know immediately that, that guy. In my book, he's a Hall of Famer because yeah. they changed the rules. Right. When you change the rules of a sport that's been around for a hundred years and 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 it hasn't been the same since it worked. Like, the rules that they changed worked. Like, guys don't do that very often anymore, and, and it ruined him. But let me, you know, when you look at this, and I don't know, I should know, but you guys know these rules, but is there a minimum and is there a maximum? Like, do they have, do they have to put in a guy or two? Is there a limit? Can they only put in five?
2: I think they've adjusted that over the years. I, I don't know if there's a limit on... Uh... On the number of guys that go in. There's not a limit, but you have to
0: keep the line moving.
2: Right. And I think they understand that. So there's probably – I have to look into that specifically.
0: Because when I look at this list – sorry, David. When I look at this list, I mean, one guy jumps off the page at me that he is a Hall of Famer without a question. The other guys, I'm kind of like – Well, who's the guy? Name names. Daryl Revis. Yeah. When when you say Daryl Revis, Hall of Famer, you know, Revis Island, the whole thing. Daryl Reeves Hall of Famer. And then I look at this list, Devin Hester, Hall of Famer. The other guys, the Hall of Very Good, but not the Hall of Fame. So I'm, that's what I'm at. I mean, when you talk about is the line too long, that's what I'm asking. I'm, I'm trying to figure out, like, if there's five guys that are ahead of him getting in, so they can't put in six if there's a limit. And I just, this list does not scream obvious Hall of Famers to me. Well, All think- Very Good, one guy I'm not sure, quite sure why is there, but I'll name another name, Zach Thomas. Okay. Very good, but not Hall of Famer.
2: Yeah, Jared Allen's on that list, too. He was a very good player. Very good, not Hall I'm of Famer. I'm surprised he's a finalist, frankly. When you do something better than anybody's ever done it, I think you have a spot reserved for you in the Hall of Fame. And Devin Hester was arguably, I guess it would be our argument here in Chicago, arguably the best return man in NFL history because of the impact he had on the game, because of the way that he performing and he has the numbers to back him up and so by virtue of that alone I don't I'm not sure it matters who else is on the ballot it shouldn't really and the numbers will get the the specifics but when you look at this this specific list of finalists his name is one that stands out I think Darrell Rivas is the other Joe Thomas probably is a guy that will get in at some point in time even though he played for a bad team maybe not he may have to take a while but you look at the the rest of the names, and there are no obvious yeses. And so Devin Hester, to me, in year two, this is his second year, correct? Yes, his second year. He Finally, is, he is a he is a definite yes. So this, I think, the whatever waiting and whatever frustration he felt and disappointment last year, I think he's gonna be he's gonna be happy with the news this year. Don't know anything. We can't predict that, right. but I would think it's a, it's a good year to be Devin Hester.
1: I, I also think it's really hard to get a return guy in the hall of fame because the impact he made however great it was and however you know he did two he did it one year and then he came back and did it again you're not touching the ball enough in a game right it, like he wasn't a great receiver they didn't know how to use him he, they you know he started he was going to play a, a cornerback and then they drafted him as a return guy and that's and he was a hell of a return guy. And he's going to make the Hall of Fame as a return guy. But he, there's not enough plays on either side of the ball at any position that would make you think that he's um, a Hall of Fame player other than as a returner. That's and why before we that. get
2: on to the next question, according to the uh, Hall of Fame's website, the finalists are reduced from 15 to 10, 10 to 5. And then those five are given yes or no. It probably would be a maximum of five there. But not all five then – are automatically in because finalists are voted on for election into the hall on a yes or no basis after you get down to the five finalists. So that's so, the no, so no
0: more than five. Right. We get into the whole like the veterans and the the old timers and the modern era. <laughs>
2: I'm not talking necessarily about a pick six or something like that.
0: That's Brad Biggs. He'll be here at 7. Biggs time amid a report from a family friend that DeMar Hamlin's recovery is moving in a positive direction. What did you make of the NFL saying it's still considering various options following the suspension of the Bills-Bengals game from Monday night? Was there a plan that made sense to you, and how should Hamlin's medical status impact the decision?
2: Well, I think that the one that made sense would be uh, as I said yesterday, it's not maybe fair what is about what we watched on Monday night, mm-hmm. but if you have to move forward and determine a number one seed in the AFC by virtue of the winning percentage, so be it. This is one of those years. This is these are extraordinary circumstances, and that to me is the cleanest way to move on. Certainly, teams will have their you know reasons for opposing that idea, but to me it just makes the most sense now. If they have a contingency plan, the, the most logical one that I saw offered would be to move the, everything back one week and take advantage of that off week between the, the, extras, the extra weekend before the Super Bowl after the conference championship games. I don't know if I like the idea of playing the NFC wild card and the AFC wild card and the Bills and Bengals in this what would be basically week 19 I don't know about that because then everybody else still it, it throws off the, the rest and the schedule. But if I were to vote today, check a box, I would say just move on from this game and it won't be played.
0: Well, first, I want to say that it's great to hear that things are moving in a positive direction for DeMar Hamlin. And I do think that impacts the especially the mindset of the Bills. It impacts everybody's mindset, yep. but specifically his, his teammates. So I'm taking this from Pro Football Talk. He was on a Pittsburgh radio show. And this is what, according to the tweet, he got wind from a high-level NFL people that this would be the following schedule that could happen. Week 19, Bengals-Bills plus the NFL Card, NFC wildcard playoffs. AFC gets a bye. AFC wildcard gets a bye. Week 20 is the AFC wildcard playoffs and the NFC playoffs would get a buy. And then, of course, you would lose that week in between the games. I like that. I like that much better than winning percentage. I like that much better than flipping a coin. Again, if it if it matters, okay, it, it, it may not matter. Week 18 might, might solve all these problems. But if it matters, that game should be played. Um, you know, I heard our buddy Bruce Murray on
1: the NFL Network, and he made a point that I had not thought of, which was that uh, this game was suspended, and presumably if they play it, it will be resumed. So you go back to the same stadium, to the same spot on the field where, where um, you saw um, Hamlin go down, and you want his teammates to line up. I think that his medical status really should impact this decision, and I think that it's part of it. And I heard Joe Burrow say – Hey, you know, we'll play what we'll do we'll follow their lead, we'll do whatever that is good for the Buffalo Bills. That was strong. I thought that was really strong. And I I think that is something to just keep in mind. So, uh Demar Hamlin, you are right Dustin all the prayers and let's hope that uh, that he recovers. I do think you have to play the game, however. And I do think that that um, the solutions that are being mentioned are probably the right ones because Cincinnati still has a chance too, right? So they do even, have a
0: slim chance. They yes. have
1: a very slim chance, but they have a chance for the, the, the second seed. Um right, which is a big deal. The other thing is correct me if I'm wrong here, but if Kansas City if this works out the way that you've described it there, Kansas City could conceivably get three weeks off.
2: Yes.
0: That, that, I don't know that that's I don't that's know if that's a good. good thing for anybody. Well, they, may not, they may not want three weeks off. Right? Well, Who that's would? what
1: I'm saying. You don't really want that. Yeah, it's like a bowl game in the college season. But I, I think it's a really complicated issue, and I think the NFL just should keep kicking the can down the road. I know they got to start getting this set, but I, I don't know. I think, you know, we're just – Desperate to hear good news with uh, Damar Hamlin.
0: Quick, quick follow-up, Molly. You, you, I understand what you're saying with the, the spot of the ball. Yeah. But would you would you prefer then the game starts from scratch? No, I think it's a suspended game. I think you. I mean, you I'm mean i saying you it set, was seven to three. Right. Well, you and I, you and I are in agreement that the game should be played if, yes. if it needs to be played based on the right. Week 18 outcome. But I'm asking, if it's played again. Do you pick it up you at that pick, spot? You pick yes, it up, you that's because it's you suspended. That's so I'm yes. saying. From yeah. right, yes. Okay. If, you, if you're following the rules, okay. then follow that's, the rules. Yes, I'm just, I'm just, I'm just, but looking I am i am just
1: i had not thought about that idea. It's very interesting. That they like, are right on that spot. Oh my spot gosh. In the, right, like, oh my right God. Here, right. right.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, that
2: should be then enough impetus to not play it at all. If you're worried to the, and, and I think it's a valid concern and it's a valid reality. Like, boy. You're putting these people back in the same spot in the same stadium. You're going to traumatize them all over again. I I, I just move on.
0: Oh, that's a great question. Are you worried about Nathan Peterman starting behind a makeshift offensive line after the team put Jenkins and Schofield on injury reserve yesterday? Do you care who starts the finale with cornerback, cornerback, not quarterback, cornerback Josh Blackwell also going on RR? Fields out with the element of this team. Are you most interested in watching? The Vikings.
2: (laughs) Right now, the most interesting thing about Sunday is the Vikings. If you care about the playoffs and you're a football observer and you're just looking at this, trying to be objective about everything, I'm curious to how the Vikings recover from how they were handled by the Packers and how hard they're trying to win this game and what they think about momentum heading into the postseason. With the Bears, there's very little. There's very little to watch. Here's the one thing I will be keeping an eye on, I guess paying attention to and valuing. Are they exerting effort? Are they giving you a professional effort? Because that was lacking in Detroit, and shame on them for having that kind of effort against the Lions, but I wanna see willing tacklers. I wanna see evidence of the hits principle, which has turned into the quits principle. I want to look at the Bears' defensive front and maybe see, oh my gosh, a pass rush? So there are little things about the Bears I am interested in. Big picture though, I'm more interested in what the Vikings are doing and how they head into the postseason.
0: Well, Justin Jefferson is sitting on a record. Right. And I find that interesting. Like you know, the the Vikings are winning the North. They've they've won the North. They're going to the postseason. I don't think they can really help their um, situation much more. And I don't care if just if Justin Jefferson Second plays seat. or plays or not, I don't think they would risk losing to the but i'm saying like do you do you pepper justin jefferson what, what was the game you probably covered it Molly. what was the game where um the bears were jerry rice was going for uh, a yeah. record and it ended up terrell owens ended yes, up with like 20 a, catches a or monster yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah right i'm just that saying like San Francisco. Could, you know could could were the vikings there, game plan could the vikings game plan be like just peppering justin jefferson and then it goes back to what you said earlier david the quits principle like who's quitting you know, we we talked about it yesterday. How many guys that play this Sunday will be playing Week One for the Bears? How, how many guys will even be on the roster, right? Like, who's going to play? Who's going to quit? Because you can't. You got to put good tape out there, no matter what. You got to put good tape out there. But there's there's very little to be motivated about.
1: Texter checks in, says it should be called the Hips Principle. <laughs> that Since was seven. funny. Yeah, yeah, that's very funny. And uh, and we have another texter who wonders um, what would happen if. Um, if Nathan Peterman ended up having a good passing game, which is very amusing to me, that idea because it would throw everything. You're like, what? You know, it was always there. Um, I think the thing that I'm interested in. There are little individual things. For instance, uh, Cole Komet has 487 yards. Can you get him to 500? Can the Bears have a 500-yard receiver, uh, Darnell? Um, Mooney ended up, uh, I believe it was 493 when he went out, and they don't have anyone else. Well, I mean, you know, other receivers are capable of having a 300-yard, or 200-yard, whatever. I, I, Equinemius St. Brown would need 180 yards receiving in this game. It's been done in the NFL and to get, get a, to 500. Might get a big raise. He could actually get maybe $1.27 next year. Um, I'm interested in looking at Chase Claypool, looking at the receiving core. Um, I'm interested in the offensive line. I'm fascinated by who they play and and how bad those players are. You know, there are guys that probably aren't a part of this thing. Nikhil Harry and Byron Pringle and the receiving core. There are definitely offensive linemen. Is Alex Leatherwood going to be a a healthy scratch? Um, I'd be very curious to see if he plays, or if Dieter Iceland is the preferred replacement, boy, well, that's one of the guards. Arms. Well, exactly, oh my goodness, exactly. So I think there are a lot of questions like that that I'll be looking for in general stuff. But um, no, it is the um, it is the quality un- un- underperforming in this scheme is one uh, Texter
0: just checked. You still tell your wives though that you got to watch the game, right? Like. Um, well, I have to watch the game. Right, I'm saying, so no honey-do list pop-ups or anything. It's the last game of the season. i got to watch I'll the game. I'll be in the press box. I'm,
1: I'm, I'm going away see, I'm am and my couch. I can't. <laughs> <you. laughs> yeah, no, you, you know, you do your job. Don't ask me about that.
0: What was the biggest it's... takeaway from the Bulls game last night against the Nets? Who stood out to you?
1: Well, I think that there were a lot of takeaways from the Bulls game. Number one, that they actually won. And uh, and they, they did a pretty good job. I think, to me, you know, obviously Patrick Williams, they don't win that game without Patrick Williams scoring some points, and they don't win that game without Io uh, scoring and playing his game. So, to me, it wasn't so much that they got everything from the, the best players, but to me it was a, a couple of guys that you didn't expect a big game from really were there for them and helped them win that game. So, it's a team game. You need all hands on deck, and it's not ju- you know you have got a couple premium scores. I understand that, and and Durant has said nice things about them before, so that uh, stands out to you. But I thought I thought that that uh, Patrick Williams and Iot were the two stars of the game. Weird as that may sound. I
0: don't want to be a hypocrite. I always want the Chicago sports teams to win, except for this Sunday at Soldier Field with the Bears. I don't want anything to happen with the with the draft pick, so let's just be clear on that. I, I'm glad the Bulls won last night, but, I mean, you held Kevin Durant to 44 points and wanted to talk about that. Wow. Congratulations. That's what stood out to me.
2: They beat a team that had won 12 in a row. Yeah. That is not worthy. the of just a golf clap.
0: No, it's the, uh, David, again, listening, right? Okay. I'm. I, I'm. They want to oh. take a lap. They want to take a lap about Kevin Durant. Ah. It's like Wayne's World around here with me. It's you bad know? blood uh-huh, around uh-huh, here with you. Uh-huh, uh-huh, uh-huh. They want to take a victory lap for holding a guy to 44 points. That's not, you don't get to do that. And maybe that's just Patrick Williams' youth not getting it, but... I didn't like that. I didn't like what he said before the game, and I didn't like what he said after the game.
2: I like what he did during the game, and that's why he was the best player uh, or the one that stood out the most for the Bulls because they needed that kind of effort. They beat the hottest team in the NBA on their home floor. What that the biggest takeaway to me was that this Bulls team is capable of doing big things if they can focus, if they can get the quality depth they get, got from six players in double figures last night, if they can get the two-way uh, players like Io and Patrick Williams to do what they did in contributions. If they could find teams that Vooch is going to uh, enjoy a mismatch at times, that's a good matchup for Vooch, and he had 21 and 13. To me, the Bulls just were confounding this season, but last night reminded us of how good they might be. It's, it's appropriate to ask these
0: questions this time of year. It's also probably the worst time to ask these questions. Did you like hearing White Sox GM Rick Hahn say that the White Sox are not finished building their team at the news conference that introduced new left fielder Andrew Benatendi? What happens over the course of the next six weeks leading the camp and then the six, seven weeks that we're in camp is impossible to predict. But certainly the, the way we perceive ourselves is not as a, as a finished product at this time. So, what is the top priority, and how did you feel about what you heard from the new left fielder? Ben and Tandy was good. I thought it was funny
2: hearing him explain the 23 uh, choice for the jersey. Right. Asked by Jermaine Dye, not any slight to Michael Jordan. His sister's numbers were transposed, all those things. He's going to fit in pretty well, I believe. Rick Hahn still has to get a second baseman. You can never have enough bullpen arms and pitching, so I hope that he's not done yet. I think you can live in going into the season with one rookie in the lineup. Maybe that's Oscar Colas, as we talked about yesterday. I don't know about two, and I don't think you want to do that at second base. So he's not done yet.
0: No, not done yet. And, David, I agree with you. Everything we heard, I really liked what Ben Attendee had to say. I thought he did it. You know, we talk about that all the time, you know, winning the press conference. Not that there was any, like, question that he would lose it. But, he, you know, this is this is the highest-paid White Sox, and I think he said all the things that you would want to hear if you're a fan of that team. I, I, I appreciated what he had to say. And no, the, the Sox aren't done yet. I mean, they still have they still have things to do. In crosstalk yesterday, it, what, where they're at with right field and second base right now would not be good enough for me if I'm a fan of that team.
1: Well, I, I think that part of the problem is that Luis Robert has not proven that he can stay healthy over the course of a season. He is their their most essential defensive piece. And if he goes down, who's playing center field? I mean, is that what Aloy eventually does? Is that what you move Andrew Vaughn back out in the elves? Is that why uh, Gavin Sheets is not I mean, give me a break. You know, the the White Sox solved the problem with Ben Attendi. I thought it was really interesting that he said that they were the first team to contact him. So obviously, they were they were very interested in getting him and it took them a while to double back to doing that, but I find that really interesting. Um and I'm I'm just wondering I I don't know how to I don't know how to say this intelligently but the Carlos Correa contract impasse whatever way you want to term it is that impacting some of the possibilities at second base that the White Sox might be interested in and by that I mean if he stays in New York does that mean that they're likely to make a trade of a player if he goes to say the Dodgers. Does that mean they're likely to trade a player? Is that is that? Do you have to kind of feel this thing out a little bit? Yes.
2: Before yes.
1: So so good. That's a
2: good way to look at and it.
1: That, but the priority is uh, getting a second baseman I, in here, no, no doubt. question, because you don't want to go as you Correa,
2: said. Correa, Dodgers, Mets, Gavin Lux, guys who are, could be on the move. Yeah. Also affects the White Sox marketplace for second baseman. That's what I'm
1: saying. Yeah, that's a yeah. good point. So anyway. That, that is one of the takeaways. As far as them not being done, no, they're not here done. Nope. They've had a right field problem for three years. Is that accurate? Anyway. 312 67 67 We're gonna get to the extra point. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago Sports Radio, 670 score. Set up this extra point. It's time for the extra point with Mully and Haw on 670 the score.
0: Happy birthday to Virginia McCaskey, who turns 100 years old today. If Mrs. McCaskey gives the Bears a lovable matriarch atop their ownership group, whose popularity is worse among the three professional sports owners in Chicago? Tom Ricketts, the Cubs chairman who overcame losses of biblical proportions during the pandemic. Jerry Reinsdorf, who runs two teams without actually ever being quoted publicly, or Rocky Wertz who's still trying to pick up the pieces after a scandal that tainted the Blackhawks legacy, or is it still the McCaskies in a bears town?
2: Wow. There's a lot there. Happy birthday, Mrs. McCaskey, a hundred years old and she's been alive for 1,415 bears games. That's uh, all, but I think 36 games, but it's an amazing life that she has uh, lived. And yeah, when you look at the rest of the owners in town, if you're talking about popularity or unpopularity, I think that we'll find out a little bit more about Tom Ricketts and how he may have recovered at the Cub convention next weekend. We'll see. I don't think he's at the bottom of the list or the top of the list if you're talking about unpopularity. Rocky Wertz, boy, he has uh, not represented himself well the last time we saw him publicly. Um, The Hawks are somewhat in somewhat hockey oblivion, and I think people are not paying attention to them, so maybe that helps him be ignored <laughs> in terms of being unpopular. He certainly is polarizing still because of what this franchise has been through. And he is presiding at, at the front of it. And the last time we saw him, he lost his cool, but I think it's Jerry Reinsdorf. And I think it's Jerry Reinsdorf just because even though he has more championships over during his tenure than anybody else. And he can make those claims. He still with the white Sox, the Tony LaRusa residue remains, Uh, With the Bulls, to a lesser degree, there are fewer things to complain about, but I still think that he is, to me, as polarizing as any of the three that we're talking about here.
0: This is a really great question, and it's something that I think fans would have a really strong opinion on. I think it really depends on... You know, I, I am not a believer that you can be both a Cubs and a White Sox fan. I, I, I truly, that's one of my hard fast. You're either one or the other. You're not a, I'm a Chicago sports fan. No, you're either a Cubs fan or a Sox fan, and then hopefully you like the Bears and the Bulls and the Blackhawks. But right now, my fandom level for the Blackhawks is at an all-time low, even though they, you know, in very recent memory, and I was lucky to be here at the score for all three of them winning the Stanley Cups. I mean, what went on under Rocky's watch on and off the ice is just really bad. And then how you handled it was even worse. And so that's where I have to go here. You know, I David, I hear what you're saying about Jerry Reinsdorf. I just feel that not only us as members of the media, but fans as well. Like, I think there's so much that Jerry, if he talked, could explain and actually make us smarter Because I think the guy's a really smart guy, and I think he's got a lot of good things to say. I just wish he was out there more, even if it was somebody that he really wanted to talk to. He didn't talk to anybody publicly. You know, he doesn't even talk to, like, let's just say, like a Sam Smith, somebody who works for Bulls.com. You know, I'm saying he doesn't talk to anybody. He doesn't talk to the flagship. He doesn't talk to the TV. He's not on NBC Sports Chicago that he partially owns. I, I just... I think we're all at a loss from not getting to hear more from him. How, how old is Jerry?
2: He's got to be mid-80s. Yeah. I,
0: I mean, I'm just saying,
1: yeah, I listen, you know, happy birthday to Mrs. McCaskey. Uh, I think it's um, it's extraordinary. 100 years old is unbelievable. And, um, and apparently um, no signs of slowing down for her. I mean, she's been ill and she's bounced back. It's just extraordinary, and it it kind of uh, it you know you think about uh, George Hallis, how long did he live, right? Wow. And then you think about Muggsy Hallis, and and his uh, untimely passing, and and how different things might be. I don't think the Bears ownership is popular. I don't. I think George is a super nice guy and like a real gentleman. I don't know that that uh, and he walks the parking lot, and you've walked with him. And I know people will let him sample their barbecue, but I don't know how much they, <laughs> they love him. Um, I think Tom Ricketts has done a remarkable job. I think the Ricketts family has done a fantastic job with the Cubs. They came in there. They went out and hired. They they gave it some time, tried to figure it out, hired uh, Theo and won a World Series. That That's unbelievable.
2: In seven and years.
1: And they have now, you know, concentrated on the area that – Team will be with the Ricketts family for a very long time. And, you know, now it's a question of whether the next rebuild works. And if it does, then then, you know, that's that's beyond um being able to put together a couple different dynasties if that's indeed what they end up doing. Is the real question who would draw the loudest boos? Yeah, well that that yeah, I, I guess is that what it, this question is. I don't think anyone's gonna boo Mrs. McCaskey because of her age as much as anything else. I think there would be respect for the longevity of her life. I don't know if that applies to Jerry Reinsdorf. And I think one of the reasons he probably keeps a low profile is because he isn't that popular for whatever reason. They don't, you know, go all in and they don't, you know, they, they, I thought they did a good job with, uh, with the new leadership of the bulls. I'll be curious to see what happens come trade deadline. Um, The white Sox, that the the problem for Jerry is that he put personal friendship, uh, whatever personal um, mistake, whatever way he termed it ahead of team success by hiring Tony and it not working and it didn't work for whatever reason. So the fact that that would make him hugely unpopular, I would imagine with the Sox fans and, um, and maybe explains why he keeps a low profile in their, they're, they're uh, going to remain that way. I feel bad for Rocky Wertz because he came in and he changed everything. And he really did a great job of, of putting the customer first and of taking some of those principles and, and changing the way the the Blackhawks were perceived. Then it, t- then this whole scandal, the whole uh, Kyle beach thing, it just, it's been sad to see and all the people that were there are all gone, and now he's kind of handed it, it over to his son because he's had to. It's come full circle, and, and it's and and, it, and and popularity went down well, just as quickly and, as it went and, up. And he had a a moment of peak, yeah, uh, and, and that is what people now think of, and they think that there's some. I think he's a genuinely decent bloke, and I think that that moment is real, you know, where he was just he'd had it, and he he had seen this unraveling, and he blew up, and I think that's unfortunately. People think of him at his worst. I, so I think that I, – I don't think anyone in Chicago is out there trying to lose on purpose. I'm not talking about the teams right now. Some of that's going on. I'm talking about ownership. I think that – I think the McCaskies want to win. I think that, that that Jerry Reinsdorf wants to win. I think that uh, Rocky Wertz wants to win. And I think the Ricketts, I know they want to win. So I, I just think that we are really hard on these things because owners – they represent a public trust, and and fandom is about where you're from, where you were born, the the feel. You know, I've got my brother it lives in Florida, and my nephew my nephews are huge Chicago sports fans because they grew up with it with my brother, mm-hmm. and they they follow Chicago sports closely, and it's pretty wild to like. Talk to them about it because you learn a lot. They have a totally different well, it, perspective. It, it than also you
2: do. was because how well do these teams manage perception, regardless of the reality? Well, that's the
1: that's that's true. That is a major
2: issue.
1: 3-1-2-6-44-67-67. Curious to get your thoughts on that. It's Mully and Haw at Chicago
2: Sports Radio six seven and Score. Mully and Hall, Chicago Sports Radio six seventy the Score, having a very spirited spirited discussion. About Chicago sports ownership on today, Thursday, January 5th, the 100th birthday of Virginia McCaskey, the matriarch of the Chicago Bears. And we are getting full phone lines. But Molly, you made some good points about, well, every owner in town, but I think that Rocky Wirtz is the guy who we are remembering his last big public moment. Right. And you called it a fit of peak. It's a really good term. And I wonder, as we look at, you know, also the, how the perception affects reality, why he hasn't been more active. Is it because they are so bad well, and because they are doing this so intentionally right. that he has taken such a backseat? Or is it because uh, – I, I, I'm curious to know because this is an organization that is going through what they are dealing with in the post-Kyle Beach era. And we don't talk about the Blackhawks a lot because they are so bad, but I also think it's related to the scandal. But they haven't really been, in my mind, proactive in trying to shape that perception to make it different since that fit of peak. Well, I but I
1: think... I would argue that they have by him sort of withdrawing from public life a little bit, right? Less is more. Well, they're letting, they're letting Jamie Faulkner, they're letting, um, uh, you know, rock uh, or excuse me, um, his son, Danny, Danny Wirtz kind of take to, to the forefront. I, I think he's just, I think he's correctly, probably taking a step back. David, I, I, you said it. I mean, that, you know, I, I, I told you, I, I sat down, and watched every, uh, minute of that game uh the late breaking blowout and they're they're not without entertainment value and they still have Tays and Kane, and you know they're they're going to be it'll be interesting to see what happens in terms of the draft in terms of the trade deadline you know we had a a couple of texters make the same suggestion when we talked briefly about it this idea that you could conceivably uh trade uh Caner, and then re-sign him. He'd be a good guy to bring back, right? You could, <laughs> he might you could do go, that. Go you the Chapman know. route if you wanted to. Uh, give him a playoff run and then bring him back. I I, I don't know what they're going to do moving forward, but I do think that, that he's made seemingly um, a decision to sort of, you know, take himself uh, out of the conversation for a little bit.
2: And Jerry Reinsdorf, 86 years old. 86. Yeah. So you can understand why he may – be taking uh, more of a reduced role, a backseat, if you will, because just you want to slow down perhaps, but he is in charge of two. He's the chairman for two teams in town. And I think what you said about Ricketts is also very interesting. So they uh, are – he has been controversial since he made that comment. When you talk about isolated moments, the biblical losses comment stuck with him for a while. And, it, it, you know, a lot of people yes. still associated him with for, as unfairly as it may be because of what they have invested, especially in this offseason, as being more uh, penny wise and too conservative. I don't know that's fair, but that is, that is the perception. Yeah. A lot um, of people want to check in.
1: Okay. Let's get to the phone lines. 312-644-6767. Jeff is listening online. Hey, Jeff. Hey, how's it going, guys? Good, Jeff. Hey, um, I'm I'm up here in Green Bay. I've been a uh, die-hard Bears Cubs uh, fan all
0: my life, and uh, I look at the ownership from up here. It's a completely different uh, situation up here for the Bears, or I mean the Packers. Um, but I look at the ownership throughout all of them in Chicago, and it's a it's a what for what have you done for me lately type situation. Mm-hmm. And, and if you look at the the Ricketts. And uh, and the Bulls, uh, I mean, there's always some history there. I mean, you got the six from uh, the 80s, but uh, it really comes down to the leadership. Leadership always goes to the top. And how present are you? And, and that, in, my, in my world, that's really what it comes down to, how present is the leader in that organization.
1: Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'm not arguing that, and I think that you're right about the titles. If you wanted to, with uh, w- with Jerry Reinsdorf, you could argue that Jordan was going to win titles and that winning six titles is because they employed the best player in the league, not anything to do with the way they – and, and in fact, when you watch that documentary, you understood how dysfunctional much of that was. But they did win a World Series with the White Sox, and I, I don't know that I ever – it's, it's a huge accomplishment, to happen. yeah.
2: And in his mind, maybe bigger than the six, meaning more to him than I think he has said that before. I don't know if that's the reality. Six championships is is a dynasty versus uh, the one, but.
1: And as far as the Blackhawks are concerned, I just wanted to add quickly: mm-hmm. Connor Bedard uh, was at it again yesterday. Yes, he was. And Bedard mania is sweeping the World Junior Tournament, and he is 17 years old. He's the leading scorer in the tournament. You know that I I read a thing that said that if he were 19 and doing this he'd be the number one pick in the draft. The fact that he's 17 and doing this means that he is already being viewed as a generational talent, and he has emerged uh, so distinctly as the best player coming up in the draft that maybe if Connor Bedard is here uh, and the, and you got you know it changes the face of the Blackhawks. Yes. There's
2: no doubt about yes. it because. He did lead Team Canada over Team USA in the juniors. Six he scored to two. a goal, 6-2. Yeah. He's setting records for goals yep. and, a point, and points and uh, assists. And, and so Connor Bedard is a name you want to keep an eye on because he could change the complexion of hockey in Chicago and get it back to the point where people want to pay attention in time, whatever, whatever time they need. But you're right. Connor Bedard is one of those guys that the Blackhawks will be in a position, p- perhaps, to draft if they – Continue this tank as successfully as they are tanking.
1: <laughs> Way to go. 312, 644, 6767. We've got Biggs time next. We're going to talk to uh, to our dear friend Brad Biggs. We'll get his take on the Bears uh, minus Justin Fields on Sunday, and uh, and we'll find out who else is in and out and what Biggs thinks they're going to do to try to uh, prepare for this game. It's Mullion Hall on the score.
0: I don't think it's any of your business. And I think you should get on to the next subject. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's over
1: here. Only at T-Mobile. Get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month.
2: with Eligible trade-in when you switch. <laughs>